Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Craft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. We stand in honor of God and His Word and what He says over us, so we're going to make some declarations this morning. Are you ready? We always do this, and I'm so glad because you know what? I was an elementary school teacher, so you're going to see some illustrations because I'm very visual, but I don't talk as fast as Pastor Keith. I was a kindergarten teacher, so always when he does this part, I'm always like, you talk so fast, I didn't get all the words out. So we're going to slow it down for me, okay? So let's put our hand over our heart. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship, created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today I open up my mind to receive the word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. We're going to lift our hands and say, come Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You glad you came to the house today even though it's pouring down rain? Hopefully you got in and you're dry and you feel good. The temperature's good. People around you smell good, right? All right, well, you may be seated. Well, I'm so glad to be with you this morning. So glad for the opportunity. I don't take this time lightly. And, you know, I have my own time that, you know, I just spend with God and just, you know, when we were gone on this um, for about the whole month of July and just in my own time with God, I just started processing the message that I'm going to share with you and just in light of life and just the people that we do life with, our family of choice and just knowing some of the seasons that you go through and we care about you. We care about your hurts. We care about what you go and grow through, and none of us know what our life is going to be like. We have this chartered course, don't we, that we just go, this is the direction we're going. We have just all these dreams and all these visions for where God wants to take our life, and then it's like our life becomes like this roller coaster. It's like, wait, wait, oh, what? It takes a turn. It goes this way. Then it goes down. Then it comes back up, and that's really our lives, isn't it? We don't expect sometimes for our lives to be where they are today. Are you in that season where you feel like, man, I never knew I would be sitting here today. Or I never knew I'd be sitting next to you today. I mean, we have all these different seasons in our life of unexpected. Sometimes they're better than we expected. Sometimes they're not as good as what we expected in our life. But that's really the way life goes. And what I want to talk to you is about how to overcome real life hurts because all of us experience these real life hurts. You know, I know some of you, you might need to get your notes because if you don't have them, go ahead and raise your hand. Our ushers are in the aisle. I'm not as uh, long as Pastor Keith, and so my notes are four points and some scriptures so you can fill in wherever you want to fill in. And um, But, you know, some of you may be sitting here today and you may be in a devastating moment where devastation has come to your family or in, into your life. And, uh, and you're experiencing some great pain in your life today. There's some of you that maybe it's been a lifetime of pain. Maybe there's been abuse from the time that you were a child. Maybe you felt betrayal. Or maybe even it's your own sin that's caused you pain and where you are in your life today. Or maybe it's uh, disappointments 
We all have things that happen in our life that we don't want to come to our life. But you know what? I'm going to list some reasons you might be feeling hurt. And a lot of these are related to other people. And when you do life with people, life can get messy at times. With your, with your co-workers, with your you know, servant leaders and on your team. and Just life, right? It's just tough. Marriages, it's tough. You know, friendships, they're tough. Staying in relationships, it's tough. Well, here's a list of reasons you might be feeling hurt. Someone did something or behaved a certain way, and this has hurt your feelings. You feel hurt because you feel as though you have been betrayed, disrespected, rejected, deceived, let down, or unfairly accused or criticized. There's a misunderstanding resulting from a miscommunication. You feel hurt because someone was impatient with you. You're perceiving their impatience as a personal attack. Well, you know, you don't have to go far down this list to realize you don't have control over other people's behaviors, over their actions, over their opinions, how they feel about you or they how they feel about something that you did, or just about their own lives. Their own lives are, they're struggling. They're in pain. They have their own hurts. And so we all know that the phrase hurt people hurt people. But it really is true. When people are hurting, if we can just so depersonalize when somebody hurts us to say, you know, maybe they're hurting. Maybe there's some type of pain in their life. Or maybe they don't even know why they attacked the way they did or they came across the way that they did. We all have people like that in our, in our own lives. So it's a lot of times it's people's own insecurities and it's own, their own problems. So for this reason, it's important you don't take it personally. Instead, practice detaching yourself from those kind of situations. We have to learn how to deal with hurts. You see, because what happens is these hurt feelings can pile up. And that what they do is over time, when you carry these hurts, then it leads to resentment leads to a deep state of depression. Sometimes it can be sadness. Sometimes it can just be anger. A lot of times when you deal with this and you carry pain for a long period of time, you can want revenge. You'll hold a grudge. You'll lose faith and trust in people. And you'll waller in cynicism and self-pity. I know that because I've been there before. At least one of those things, and more than one really, that I've experienced in my own life that I've had to work through in my life. But in the event that another person did hurt your feelings on purpose, because there are some people that will hurt your feelings on purpose, it's important to understand they did this because of their own pain or maybe they're hurting in some way. But you know what? We have to learn how to deal with pain. And maybe you didn't grow up in a household that your parents taught you how to deal with pain. I tried to help my children, but you know what? It's one thing to try to help them. It's another thing. They've got to apply it in their own life, not to carry pain in their life. But, you know, sometimes we can validate our children's pain and say, that bully, he hurts you. You deserve to be in pain. You deserve to be hurting right now. That is not a good way to approach our children's pain. We've got to help them overcome this pain, not carry what Jimmy Evans talks about I've got this little rep, red purse, and it represents uh, this hurt pocket that Jimmy Evans talks about. He's written uh, several books, but he's written this one book that, that he talks about this hurt pocket that all of us carry. All of us have hurts in our life. None of us are exempt from hurts coming into our life, but we have this little pocket. We have to decide 
what we put into it and how long we allow that hurt to stay inside of that hurt pocket. Because over time, if you continue just to allow one hurt after another, it continues to grow and it just brings more pain in your life. So if every morning, if you get up, if you will continue to evaluate the hurts that you have in life, and you could release that hurt pocket and take things out of that pocket. We have to continue to do that. Because you know what? When you carry hurts, there's just, and, and there's offenses that come, what happens? That just continues to grow where maybe normally you would just, something wouldn't bother you. Have you ever had things that happen in your life? You're like, why was that such a big deal to me? Why did I get so bothered by that car cutting right in front of me? Why wouldn't I just gracious and say, you know what, come on in. It's just one more car ahead of me. But we're like, no, there is not a car getting in front of me because of what we're dealing with. Sometimes it is an offense that we already are carrying inside of us that we, we don't even relate it to that. But you see this in our world and the day and age that we live. There's so much vindictiveness. There's so much anger and frustration. We see it in our social media. We see it in our politics. We see it also in uh, Charlottesville and what has just recently happened. There's what happens in people's lives that they're so angry and mean-spirited. Some of it's their own pain that they've carried. Who knows the abuse or things that have happened. You don't want to excuse people's stuff away, but you want to be able to deal with your own process of it. And sometimes you'll never know what is it in that person that allowed them to cause me such pain. But I just have to be responsible for it myself, my own pain and my own offenses that I carry. I can't worry about somebody else's and what they're carrying. Well, let me read this scripture to you because this will help us. It says, Romans 12, 17, repay no evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So because we live in this society, what we realize is that it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter what title that you hold. It doesn't matter how much time you spend with God. You're going to get offended. You're going to get hurt. And so what we have to do is learn how do we deal with life's hurts. Because you know what? Some of the most difficult hurts that you're ever going to experience is your relationships that you have, your family relationships. You know what, when you have hurt in your family, when there's offenses that come, it's so difficult. Why? Because there's expectations of you to do Christmas, to do family, to do life together. And you're continuing to be confronted with a family member that is still involved in your life. One of the, another of the worst hurts that you can experience is from the church. The church 
sometimes hurts people. Elevate Life Church has hurt people. We don't like that as pastors. Pastor Keith and I have hurt people. Never been our intent. Have you ever hurt somebody that it was never your intent to hurt them? But words that you said and the way that you came across hurt people. For that, we are sorry. We do not want people in our church to hurt. We don't want you to walk out of these doors hurting. We know from the simplest thing that when you come onto the parking lot, we have hurt people that have driven onto this parking lot. You know why? We direct them to a parking spot what we thought was nice what we thought was would be you know helping them find their place because a lot of times the parking can be very tight before especially we expanded our other lot it was very tight coming into the lot and we couldn't have open gaps because it would allow people they couldn't go up and down rows to be able to find their spot but we were figuring out that before people ever even got in the building they're offended so how are they going to receive the word so you know what we started doing just directing people to sections. And almost on one hand, you can think, oh, that's silly. No, it's really what people are dealing with in life. They carry offenses in life. They carry offenses when they come in here. And then there's something that we do or something that we say because we are human. And we have our own stuff that we deal with. And so we may say things or somebody may walk in and they may be friendly to you. And you're not in the mood for their niceness. You don't want them being friendly to you. You don't want them saying nice things. You don't even want, you just put that antibacterial soap on your hand and you did not want anybody to shake your hand. Like, oh, you're dealing with an offense because they shook your hand. You've got to now go to the next station for antibacterial soap and get your hand washed off. But you know what? That sounds really silly, but it really is so true. We carry that, don't we? And sometimes it's not even, up. like I said, it's not about the, that you didn't get your hands on the antibacterial soap or you didn't get to sit in the seat you wanted it to when you came into the auditorium. It's already just stuff and hurts that we carry in life. So what's just one more that we just take on? So it's a biblical fact, Jesus said, it's impossible for you to escape being offended. You just can't stay there. That is the key. You cannot stay there. You can't stay in your offense. It will affect you. If you're alive, you'll be hurt. But if you only have so many hours in the day like we do, we only have 24 hours a day, what does the enemy want to do? He wants to bring distractions in your life. He wants to send you on this journey of emptying your fuel tank on this mindless journey of distractions. And there's signposts that are set up for you as you go down the road of offense. Here's another signpost you come into, bitterness and disappointment. All these are signposts in all of our lives. We've all been disappointed. We've all been offended. We've all had the opportunity to carry bitterness. But when we do this, our days become darker. They just do. You feel the heaviness. You feel the weight of the world. You're frustrated. You know, there's been times that when I've gotten over a lane that someone's gotten mad at me. You know what I've done? I've prayed for them because I said, oh, Lord, the anger that is raged from sometimes these people with their fingers and their hand motions that they give. And I go, that poor wife, when he gets home, I know what he's going to carry when he walks in that door. We do that, don't we? We have to let things go. Let it go. So in, in Luke 17, 1, it says it's impossible that offenses will not come. It's impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. Woe to us when we allow these offenses to come and to sit on our hearts, in our mind, in our emotions. God is saying don't do that. Don't allow 
Woe to us when we allow them to come and to stay. You see, I have a responsibility for my behavior. Nobody else is responsible for the way that I act, the way that I think. And people may have done things to me. People may have hurt me. But people don't form me. My responses to those offenses and to life's hurts are what forms me. See, I'm not helpless. I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you. And if that is in you, then you have that power to release offense, release hurt. Do not let the enemy overtake you with emotion and offenses. Number, I'm going to take you to my number one point. How do we deal with life hurts? Adversity is one of the greatest teachers God uses to grow us. A perfect example of this is two years ago, Pastor Keith and I, we were in New Zealand. And as we were walking around, you ought to see the most amazing birds. So many birds around, they're just walking on the ground. And, you know, it's a little perplexing because you're like, why are these birds around here? Like, normally our birds are, you know, they may hop on a branch or something, but they're flying away. They're, you know, they're off some other place. They're afraid of us, you know, if we get close and stuff. I mean, I grew up in New Orleans until there were pigeons, and they loved to be fed, so they hung out and they stayed around, you know. But to see these wild-looking birds and, you know, looking at them, well, I heard that only 41% of the birds even fly in New Zealand. Well, the, they said the reason for that is because there was absolutely no predators there. There's no snakes, there's no wolves, there's no bobcats. So without this kind of not having a predator, not having anybody oppose them, they've stopped flying. And now over time, they don't even have wings anymore. I don't even know how this happens. But they've got nubs. So like however time, just because a mama didn't fly anymore, when her baby's born, the wings get smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, that is the same way it is with us. Without opposition in our lives, it doesn't cause us to rise up, to mount up on wings as eagles, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. When you are being opposed, when there is an enemy, when you feel like there, you have enemies, what do you do when you come in this building? You are up forward. You are having somebody pray with you. You are standing in worship. I'm telling you what, I'm doing this. I'm declaring. I'm shouting. I, I mean, if you ever see me up here, I, I am standing on something that I am working through by God. I am working through it. And you know what? That's what happens. When enemies come, when it feels like you've got something against you, when the world is weighing you down, you come in here and you know what? You press into worship. You lift your hands. If you don't do that, you need to do that because you'll walk out of here carrying the weight of the world. And God is wanting to release you into your freedom and into the destiny that he has for you. Well, op opposition does enable us to do things that we would not normally do. We see this in the Word of God. We see this in the life of David and Goliath. Look at David. He was a shepherd boy. He was just out tending his sheep. Well, Goliath was strategically placed in David's path not to defeat him, but to promote him. What if the enemy, Goliath, had never come into David's life? What if God had not allowed that to happen? What would have happened to David? He would have just been a shepherd boy. He would have never 
been a king. So many times what you think is your enemy that's setting you back, it's actually setting you up. Do you believe that? Because it is absolutely the truth, and you need to stand on that. So God chose to bless David not through his friends, but through his enemies. Can God bless you through your friends? Absolutely. Or through your enemies? Absolutely. He can bless you through your friends, too. I like it better that way, don't you? But you know what? God will use our enemies, too. There are Goliaths ordained to come across your path. And if you don't understand the principle, you're going to get discouraged. Because we don't like enemies in our life. We want just friends in our life. It will happen to all of us. So how can we overcome real life hurts? Number two, opposition isn't meant to stop you. It's meant to establish you. You see, I've told this story before, but I'm going to say it very quickly, and I'm not going to go in great detail. But when Pastor Keith and I first got married and we were in ministry, there was opposition that came to me. And that's why this story is so significant to me, because it's in those early years. It's in those early years of school that set you for your pace in your latter years of school it's in those early years when you're starting a job or things like that so we were starting in the ministry this guy had said to and he was a pastor and this is kind of like old school and this was years ago but this is the way that they thought when they knew that I didn't play the piano and I didn't sing he looked right at Keith with me standing right there and said well you know why did you marry her like what does she have to offer you? Well, you know what? I could have been discouraged. I could have been, that's right. You know, I don't have any gifts and I don't have anything really to offer you. And I could have just sat down and sat back. But you know what I realized? That opposition propelled me forward. It caused me to put my shoulders back. It caused me to evaluate myself and what said, what, what can I bring to the ministry? What can I bring to the kingdom of God? I've got, we don't just need singers on this stage. We just don't need people that play instruments. We need you. We need people that that'll serve and, and be a part of advancing the kingdom in all walks of life. You don't have to fit in a box for you to look like, okay, you're going to be used by God because you look like this or because you dress like this. You know what? We want everybody that come in this building, you can come in your black jeans, you can come in your blue jeans, you can come in your ball cap, you can come in your dress. Will you not be offended if I wear a dress? I won't be offended if you wear a dress and I hope you're not offended if I have black jeans. I mean, is this crazy? But you know what? That's exactly what happens. We carry all this and we're offended and we're, uh, instead of saying, you know what, I'm not going to let somebody else's opinions define me. I know who I am. I am a child of the Most High God. He lives inside of me and I am more than a victor. I am more than a conqueror through him in Christ Jesus. Not because of who I am. Does it matter about what we wear? Does it matter about the gifts and talents that we have? No, you go and you do what God has called you to, dream, to do and to dream. So I want to tell you this story about, uh, it's in 2 Samuel 10. It's about two mighty men. And these two mighty men, it's their response to being offended. And we can learn a lot from these two men's response. Well, what happens is David was king of Israel, and there was this other king named King Nahash. And he was over the Ammonites. Now, the Ammonites were uh, enemies of Israel. But somehow, this King Nahash and David were friends. He, David found favor with this king that did not like the Israelites. And so, he did, and they think probably because he despised Saul so much and he liked David. So when King Nahash died, 
just like we do in our country, the president will go to another country and honor somebody that has died. That is what David is saying. I need to send two of my mightiest men. I need them to go honor. I want them to honor this king. I want them to show their son who's going to be now the new king. I want them to show him honor and to know that I honor him and I honored his dad. And so as they're journeying down there, somebody got in this king, in this new king's ear and said, they're not coming to honor your dad. They are coming to destroy us, to kill us, to measure our walls. You need to do something about it. So in the process of trying to do something about it, the, the new prince to, to, and the king-to-be said, you know what? I want you to go and I want you to cut off half of their beards. I want you to cut off their cloak and I want you to show their buttocks. So you may go, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was in the word of God. Absolutely, is that crazy? Their buttocks and uh, their, their behind, their hiney was showing as they were leaving the Ammonites, they're walking away and their little hineys are shaking. What do you think? They're embarrassed, they're humiliated. But there's an even bigger deal than that. Their beards were very significant to them in that time. Now you look at that and you go, is that really a big deal? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, look what happened to them. I mean, if they were looking at this story, they'd be going, you didn't have anything happen to you. So what? You got your beard shaved off or Daniel in the lion's den. You know, it's like, so we can look at stories and say, well, I can see that was a lot worse. But they were humiliated. They were embarrassed. And so, because what happened is the significance of this beard, it meant distinction. It meant honor. It meant maturity. And they were tampering with their rank and their identity. They knew exactly what they were doing when they cut half of the beard. Their life, it, their wearing this beard signified their life unto God, their submission unto God, their separation unto God, and also the blessing of God on their life. You see, they were doing exactly what the king told them to do. You could do exactly what God is telling you could do. You can be sitting right now and you are in the perfect will of God and you can be humiliated you can be offended welcome to life I hate to tell you that but that is life that is going to happen to us but you know what when opposition comes the word of God says for us to stay in unity when opposition comes Psalms 133 behold how good and pleasant it is to dwell together in unity it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard even Aaron's beard for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. He commands a blessing. But we have to stay in unity. But what does the enemy want to do? Get us out of unity with each other. So when they were on their way back, I mean, they're trying to hide themselves. They're, they're embarrassed. They've lost their dignity. They've lost any pride that they have. How are they going to go back to their families? I mean, these are two of the mightiest men among David. I mean, th these are some very proud and strong and you know dignified men and they're humiliated well David says nah -uh, you're not coming back here I am not going to allow you to be humiliated and embarrassed and he said I want you to go to a little town over here and it's called Jericho and he goes I want you to go there there's some few there's not many people there there's a few shepherds there there's some little cottages and I want you to stay there until your beard grows back so when your beard grows back then you can come back but I want to tell you what Jericho represents. It represents a sweet fragrance. 
So what he's saying there is, I want you to go there into that sweet place. In Psalms 37, 6 and 7, this is what he also instructs. Now when they put this scripture on the screen, see they're putting it up there, but that's not what I'm going to read. This is a commentary. It's, it's the interpretation of this scripture. So as you see that, let me tell you what the, the interpretation is. Let us not lay unjust reproaches to heart. They will wear off and turn only to shame of those who utter or do them. While the reputation wrongfully hurt in a little time grows again as these beards did. You see, Psalms 37 is David's call to patience and confidence in God when evil or wrongdoing occurs. That when evil happens or wrongdoing occurs, whether I'm guilty of it, whether you're guilty, we're all guilty. All of us have hurt other people and other people have hurt us. We're not, we, we can't say that we've never done that. We have, I've hurt people. Pastor Keith has hurt people. My children have hurt people. I don't want to hurt people. Do you want to hurt people? It's not our goal. It's not our intention. But just in life that we do. But you know what it says? When you get hurt, when you're offended and you're disrespected, when somebody hurts you, then what it tells you to do is to go to Jericho. It says to stay sweet. So what he was telling his mighty men, you're going to go there. You're not going to be humiliated. You're not going to be embarrassed, but you're going to go there. And I want you to stay sweet. So when life hurts, number three, stay in your sweet place. So, But it's so easy when you get offended not to want to be sweet. You want to get in a shouting match. You want to get defensive. You want to fight, don't you? You know what? You stepped on my foot, I'll step on your foot. You hit me, I'll hit you, and I'll give you a kick in the booty too. Because you know what? We're going to get that one up. We're not going to just go tit for tat. I mean, we're going to go up one more. But you know what God's saying? Stay in that sweet place. When you're humiliated, when you're offended, don't go there. You can go there, but he's telling you, do not go there. You know why he says don't go there? Because I've got this next scripture for you that God's wanting to share with you today to tell you. He says, Romans 12, 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for vengeance is mine, and I will repay, thus saith the Lord. So you know what? If somebody hurts you, you can, you can go after them. You can say ugly things about them. You can talk about them. You can get your feelings hurt, and you can just let everybody know what a horrible person they are. Or you can place it in God's hands and say, God, even though you may be slow and it may not be my timing because I want it right now, but I know you're going to do a way better job because they're, they're your child. You love them. You care about them. And if they're doing wrong, you know what? They'll get what's coming to them because you said you're our avenger. We don't have to go after. We don't have to be vindictive. We don't have to seek revenge because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. There's two things that God says in his word that belongs to God. We know. It says in God's word, the tithe belongs to God. Your first fruit, your 10%, it belongs to God. That's what he says. And the next thing that he says, this is the only thing, the two things in, in the Bible that says belongs to God is vengeance. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. I want to tell you this story about this young man that he went through a really tough time in his life, but he didn't handle life's hurts the way that he needed to. He carried bitterness. He carried anger. He was frustrated. He didn't know what to do. 
and vengeance took him over. And let me read you this story. At the end of World War I, the terms of Versailles were so shaming for Germany and the German people because the victors wanted them to be punished. There was a great vindictiveness towards Germany. They demanded a lot of them financially, so the vast majority of Germans suffered, putting millions of people and children in dire straits. They forced Germany to state that they had started the war. They had to give up some of their land. There was no mercy. Even though both sides were guilty of great atrocities, they wanted Germany to suffer, so she did. In November of 1918, there was a man in a Pomeranian hospital on the border of Poland and Germany. He was a dispatch officer who ran on the front lines of war. He was suffering in his eyes with temporary burns from mustard gas. As he lay in the hospital bed, he learned of Germany's defeat from a sobbing pastor who came to visit him. Six years later, he wrote these words of how he felt when he learned of the country's defeat. This is what he said. When I was confined to the bed, the idea came to me that I would liberate Germany, that I would make it great. I knew all was lost, and only fools, liars, criminals could hope for mercy from the enemy. And these nights, hatred grew in me, hatred for those responsible, miserable and degenerate criminals. The more I tried to achieve clarity on the monstrousness of this hour, shame and disgrace burned upon my brow. The pain in my eyes compared to this misery in the days that followed, my own fate became known to me. I resolved to go into politics, so said Adolf Hitler. You see, it was this mixture of national pride and severe hardship that was thrust upon the German people that fueled his thrust for revenge. Churchill called it Hitler's bloodlust. One could only wonder how different things might have been if he had exercised some type of restraint or mercy had been shown, how many people's lives would have been saved. We can't be vindictive people. We can't live that way. That's just the way the enemy wants you to live. He wants to take you out. Don't let your, put your life in God's hands and stay sweet. That's what it says. Put your life in God's hands. Go to that place when you feel frustrated, when somebody has hurt you. Stay sweet and let God take care of you. In Hebrews 10.30, vengeance is mine. I will repay and again the Lord will judge his people. Let the Lord judge them. See, in a righteous act of God, you don't have to defend yourself. And when you let God take care of your enemies, you will find yourself praying for them. I hope you find yourself in that place that this challenges you to say, I'm letting go offenses. I'm letting go hurts. And what I know is I've hurt my enemies. I've hurt people that I've offended or have offended me. And I want to release that. And I want to stay in that sweet place. And I'm not going to take vengeance. I'm going to allow God deal with me and God deal with them. You see, Jesus modeled this on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, when Stephen, he was stoned, he said, God, lay it not at their charge. He prayed for his enemies. Stephen was stoned to death. He loved God, but he was stoned to death. And he said, don't lay it at their charge. Quit talking about it, obsessing about it, angry about it. I want to encourage you today, let go. Let it go. This is, we're starting a new school year for all of you kids. And for your, the, the, you're going back to school and you're dealing with people and you're dealing with hurts and pains. Can I encourage you? 
Would you help people through their hurts? Would you let things go when people offend you? Would you not take it personal? Would you pray for them? Because you have to remember, God is for you. Number four, God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? Because you know the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God has come that he might give you life and life more abundantly. You know what the things that God is for? God is for love. God is for forgiveness. And God is for an abundant life. So if you're going to walk in this and you're going to forgive the people that have hurt you and that you've been offended by, you're going to have to learn how to walk in love. It's not easy to do, is it? The word of God is offensive. I don't want to walk in love. It's too hard. Do you understand what they did to me? They hurt me. God is telling us to walk in love, to walk in forgiveness so that we can have the abundant life that he wants to give us. But we all have people that have belittled us, discredited us, or tried to ruin our reputation. And you know, you can try to go to them. Most people don't want to hear any excuse. They don't want to hear why you hurt their feelings. And if you tried to explain to them, they probably wouldn't believe you anyway. And there'll just be three more people that pop up that they're offended by you too. We can't walk around our life explaining why we said what we said or how it came across. We just have to stay in that position, don't we? Of being humble, knowing that we've offended people, other people offended us, and us staying in that sweet spot and in that sweet place. Because see what happens. When you wear unforgiveness and you carry that, you carry it when you stay there like a shield and a defense. And we think we're going to hold on to this. And we're not going to let it go because they hurt me. But you know what it is? It's a thief and a robber. If you've ever known anybody that's ever been offended and has carried offense, has it robbed them of their joy, their peace? It's robbed me of that too. So whenever I've carried offense, I don't carry joy. I don't carry happiness. I don't come into the room and bring the presence of God into the room for what is inside of me because the presence of God is inside of me. I can't carry that. I'm carrying offense, I'm carrying hurt, and it steals and it robs for you. And that's just what the enemy wants you to do, is to continue to carry that. Well, I've got a little bag here. And in this little bag, I have some things that are offenses. Because you know what? All of us have them. And this is what it looks like in our life when we have these offenses. So it's inside of me, and I'm carrying it. And, you know, it's over time, it you know, begins to get infected. It's been there for so long and just begins to grow. It gets a little bit bigger because it first started out really small, but now it's like, oh, they're really getting at me. Really, they make me mad. Look at their life. I, I mean, I can't believe it. And all of a sudden, this just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And we don't think anybody sees it. I mean, it's all covered up. I mean, I praise Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come into church. I'm worshiping you. I hate you. I love you, Jesus. But nobody notices. I'm just worshiping God. I'm just praising the Lord. And all of a sudden, in my language and in my conversation, well, why, why did, how did they know that I was offended? How did they know I have hurts in my life? Just sitting right there. I'm just protecting it. It's my little shield. I'm just, nobody's going to get in here. I'm just going to make sure that it stays right there because... You know, I don't want anybody to 
touch that spot. It just needs to stay right there. Well, you know what? You can't get rid of it because it's too big. It's too big. You've let it stay there. And so what happens, you go, I, I can't get rid of this. It's too, it's too big. And you know what? Because it's so big. That's just the reason you got to get rid of it. You can't hang on to it. You can't keep it there. It's so big. And you know what it does? It becomes a part of your soul. It becomes a part of who you are. And you know what it does? It keeps going deeper and deeper. And then what happens? You go through a driving down the road you go through a drive-through somebody didn't get your food fast enough somebody made you mad then you got another offense <laughs> then you go home and your husband just ticked you off I am offended the way he came across and the way that he addressed me I cannot believe the way that he talked to me I and before we know it what, what do what we think we're fine we, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Yes. I, God is good. How are you doing? Praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good. He's wonderful in my life. He works all things together for good. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what we think? We think time will heal. We think, no, it, time's going to heal. No, no. You know what? It's not going to, when you wake up in the morning, you get in the shower, it's not going to just fall off. It's not going to fall off. It's going to stay with you and it's going to go deeper. It's going to affect you mentally. It's going to affect you spiritually. It's going to affect you emotionally. And you know what? You say, I'll forgive them when they tell me their story, that they're sorry. They tell me that they're sorry. Then I'll forgive them. Check them out on Instagram. They're at Disney World. They're having so much fun. And look at you. Really? That's about the way it is. I'll forgive, but they'll just do it again. Yes, they'll do it again and again. And again and somebody else will do it again and again and again and that's why we have to let these offenses go they're not hurting anybody else they're only hurting you so when you get offended would you stay in that sweet place would you let your offenses go and trust God that he's got you that he's got them he loves them just like he loves you when I look at Jesus and I look at his life, he did absolutely nothing wrong. He went around healing the sick. He mended the brokenhearted. He was falsely accused. He was misunderstood. He, sin he, he never sinned. He never did anything wrong. But you know what? People came against him. He was attacked. He had enemies. And it says in God's word, if you quit... In the day of adversity, your strength is small. I'm going to encourage you not to quit. Know in your last point, God is for you. God is for you. He will avenge everything, any way that you have ever been offended. But you know what? The devil wants you to keep this inside. You know what he wants you to do? Like when you get in a fight with your husband or you get in a fight with your wife, you're fighting over a particular situation. And it's not even... What happens, it's not even about that situation, it's about that. All of a sudden, that comes up. You're angry. Like, why are you angry? Have you ever done that? I've done that before. Well, I was just ticked off. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And Pastor Keith's like, why are you mad? Why are you? It's because of something that happened, something I've been offended by. But I reacted to him because I was carrying this offense when I walked in. 
maybe it's with your kids. You've got an attitude with your kids and you're just frustrated with them. But it's not about your kids. It's something else. It's something else you're carrying, right? And you know what? The enemy whispers, keep that. Just don't let it go. Keep it inside. But you know what God is telling you? You need to let it go. You need to take out those offenses. You need to give them over to God. God is wanting to release you into all that he has. I can't even find them because that's what happens. You lose. Don't you do that? Am I? I'm all good. But you know what you do? You forget what you were offended. I don't remember what that one was. It just, I'm just mad. Because I, I, I remember sometime I got offended by them. I, I remember they, did, they said something to me that I think I'm supposed to be upset about. We, what is it about our human nature that we just want to carry this? That's because it's the enemy. He doesn't want you to let it go. He doesn't want you to be free. I want you to be free today. Jesus wants you to be free today. Do, can I tell you? that we love you? Can I tell you that God has a great plan for your life in spite of any way that your leaders in this house are? In spite of any, uh, you know, um, weaknesses that we have? Any, I'm not excusing any way, that, we, any way that, we, that you have been hurt at Elevate Life Church. I'm not excusing any of it. I'm just saying, can, you, can we just all work together? Can we be a family of choice that stands in unity and that when offenses come, would you go to your brother? Would you not go to other people and talk about other people? Will you go to them and not wait for them to go to you and say, Hey, just wanted to tell you, you might not have known, but when you walked down the hall and you didn't say hi to me, I didn't know if you were upset with me or you didn't, something happened. Oh my goodness, girl, no, I didn't even see you. Of course I'd have said, oh, come me or give me a hug. That's the way we want it to be. That you let things go. But what does the enemy want you to do? Walk out of here and go, they didn't say hi to me. You know what? I know they're mad at me. I'm sure they heard. And all of a sudden we start building this stuff in our mind that never even happened. So far from the truth. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And I want to encourage you. This is the last word you hear me say. Stay sweet. Don't pick up anybody else's offenses. Stay sweet and help your friends stay sweet. Well, you know what? This last part of the service, we're getting ready to dismiss. But I just want us to take this moment to say, I've got some offenses and I need to release them. And you know what? This may not just be a one-time thing. Sometimes when you've carried things for so long, there's just hurts out there and people that you see. So it takes time. Okay, don't beat yourself up. But I'm just encouraging you, as you ruminate on this message, let it go. You will find so much freedom. I had a girl that came to me last week. She was in the Saturday service when Pastor Josh spoke about unforgiveness. And she said, you know what? I did not want to release. I, I wanted to be, I wanted to just show that I didn't forgive them. They had hurt me way too bad. I'm going to carry it. I, I am not letting it go. He said, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. And she said, I knew I had to go to church on Sunday. I can't tell you how big the smile was on her face. I could see freedom all over her. I didn't even know she was, had been carrying stuff before, but she was free. We can't see that. We can't see that we can be free if we'll just let it go. And you know what? Let God take care of them, right? So I want you to be free today. I want you to, as we sing this song, come to the altar. The arms of our Father are open wide. 
Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.